everybody, what's going on? It's Jesse Lee. Call me hashtag boss Lee or the people's mentor. And this is episode 345 of the show. Woo! This is one of my favorite episodes I ever did. So you better listen and listen twice and then screenshot it, put in your story. And I want to know what your dharma is. Ha 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 ha. That means you have to listen to the whole episode or else you're not going to understand it. Anyway, thank you so much for all your reviews, all your subscriptions. I think I have one four-star review, so if that's you, change it. I'm just kidding. Love you, bye. Uh, But anyway, guys, I'm really excited. Make sure you do get your reviews in because we are starting our Monday, Money Monday cash giveaways starting again on Monday since we did our $1,500 giveaway just last week. Today's reviewer of the show is Cass88R, my favorite mentor, five stars. Jesse Lee gives me life on the daily. My life has changed for the better since I've listened to her over the last six months. I used to suffer from depression, and since I found JL, all I have to do is turn on a podcast, a replay of a live, or see her live, and my whole mood shifts. Thank you so much for showing up every day, so I always have inspiration when I'm just not feeling like I want to get out of bed. You have truly helped me grow in so many ways, and I cannot thank you enough. The ketones have helped me tremendously, too. Wink. Keep up all your amazingness because you are truly helping so many people, and you make the world a better place to be. Wow, that's so nice. I love you guys. I appreciate you. I hope you love this episode of the show. Like I said, I think this is one of the most important episodes I've probably ever done. And I do want to know what your dharma is. Love you guys. Enjoy episode 345 of the show. So in Think Like a Monk, um, I'm not going to go too much into it, but I just want to mention, um, we've talked a little bit about this before, but our breath controls everything, right? There's a lot of mamas on here who know exactly what I'm talking about in your childbirthing. Um, I know you guys know what it feels like when you start to literally physically create panic attacks in yourself from your breathing, right? Where like, it starts as a little shallow breath. Next thing you know, you have anxiety. Next thing you know, you're like, I can't breathe. Next thing you know, it's full blown panic attack. Um, and not good. Right. And so there's all, it's, it's not even a long chapter. And so I don't really want to go into it too much, but, um, I would, I would read the, uh, the comments and everything around, um, one sec, I have to remove somebody who's not a champ. Thank you. Yeah. Keep you guys, if you guys can keep the eyes on the chat to make sure we keep it a champ only call. There was only one person, but it's okay. Um, breathing is, is everything. You know, your ability to calm yourself down, you can Google it or, you know, you can read it's, it starts on page 84 of Think Like a Monk and uh, he goes through a couple different breathwork scenarios, but even just taking the time to, one thing I really liked, liked is he was just saying to just realign yourself to put a hand on your stomach and a hand on your chest and then just like close your eyes or like, you know, you know close your eyes and he just says like breathe in. And put your head, your left ear to your left shoulder, and then out, back center, right, right, and then just doing it four times. And even just doing that, I mean, I did that earlier, and I was like, good lord. You know, I think sometimes we don't take the literal two minutes to just kind of recenter our breath. And then I certainly don't take the 15 minutes <laughs> uh, ever to, to really fully meditate. And then he talks about... Um, and then just the, the awareness, these words, he says, calm, balance, ease, stillness, peace. And he says, whenever his mind wanders, just gently and softly bring it back to calm, balance, ease, stillness, and peace. And so anyway, you guys can read the whole chapter on that if you want to, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm a, um, I'm not going to pretend that I am a, a meditation, uh, guru of any type. I like, um, 
I like active meditation a lot, so like exercise and stuff like that. But I do recognize that breathing is pretty much everything. Like if we would breathe before we respond, we might <laughs> we might uh, avoid a lot of situations that we sometimes get ourselves into. Situations that are sticky that get ourselves into. So at any rate, uh, we are at the part of the book now where we're talking about our purpose. And I think that this is one of those really cool, almost deeper things than just like okay, I sell ketones. Okay, I just run business. Okay, I'm just a mom. Okay, I'm just this. I'm just that. I'm just whatever. And really finding out what who you are. Like, who were you created to be? And I think that when you start to align with that, whatever that is for you, uh, you, you become really powerful. Because then you stop allowing people to tell you how you should live and you stop allowing the voices to creep into your head that you're like, that doesn't even make sense. And you stop letting other people tell you how you are supposed to be, uh, or, you know, Oh, well, let me tell you about yourself kind of a thing. Uh, I didn't think of reports every time I say that. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I had to like stop for a minute and think of Brooke. But I think that so much of our life, you know, we are, we are, we are, told that there's like hierarchies, right? Of not, not talking about success hierarchies, but like that there's better levels of, um, of jobs even, you know? And something he says that I love is he says, we were told to see society as the, um, as the organs of a body. He's talking about when he's at the ashram, right? We were told to see success as the organ, see society as the organs of a body In a body. No one organ is more important than the other. All of them work in concert and the body needs them all. And I just thought to myself, I obviously thought about our team, maybe not obviously, but I thought about our team and I thought to myself, that's why it works so well. And if we become as leaders, the people who try to control everything and control everyone as people, we, we don't have the coexistence and the growth that the way this team is built and structured has. Like if you look inside of each of your individual organizations, do you find yourself trying to control everything and turn everyone into a heart or everyone into a brain or everyone into a liver or everybody into a gallbladder or whatever it is, not understanding that you only like you need one heart, you need one brain, you need one kidney, two kidneys. <laughs> oh, this is a bad example for me. I'm not I'm not good at anatomy. You get the point though, right? Like like you need you need to have those differences. And as soon as you start to understand that all those different parts are what makes the whole, that's where you really start to win, right? So um, he goes into this analogy where he starts to talk about, um, you know, he was cleaning because like one of his chores was cleaning. And he said, you know, what can cleaning offer me? And what is this in your business, right? Like what can follow up offer you? What can, um, you know, sending out, certificates for a job well done do for you what can amazon wish list do for whatever it is right can you learn from a mop he said well he said in the course of his chores he observed that mop heads need to be completely flexible in order to get into every space and corner not every task is best served by something sturdy like a broom so we need flexibility right we need the flexibility in order to access every corner of our business like there's things like you know, Courtney trained on mindset last night on the, on the, on the, on the Latino call. Like the way she trains mindset is very different than me. The way she trains period. I've really enjoyed watching her train on those Latino calls because I, 
of, of everybody I've seen train, I would say I am most different so far of what I've seen than Courtney. Like we're, it, we're very, it, same messaging, very different, right? She can be the mop to my broom or whatever, like whatever you want to call it. But we need those different tools because otherwise sometimes I think we, we can speak over people or we like go around them almost, right? Like we take the aggressive Roomba approach, you know, it's just kind of bumps into stuff you know? <laughs> instead of like carefully using the little shark, you know, and the do-do-do-do-do. so you need all the different, um, all the different, the pieces, the pieces of it. And so he says, exploring our strengths and weaknesses helps us, helps lead each of us to our Dharma. And this is what this training's really going to be on today, because this just hit me right between the eyes. I was like, I like when I read a book and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Like I literally audibly, oh, like those kinds of moments, like they get me so hyped. <laughs> this chapter just, I don't know. I think I, 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 you'll, you'll get it. So anyway, so Dharma, like many Sanskrit terms, can't be defined by a single English word. Though to say something is your calling comes close. So if you're taking notes, you could write like, finding your calling or something at the top, right? And so his definition of dharma is an effort to make it practical to your life today. And so he takes two different Sanskrit words. He takes varna and seva or seva. I'm not sure how to say it. So varna is your passion and skills. And seva is understanding the world's needs and selfish, selflessly serving others. So the idea of this dharma or your calling is where each of you have individual natural talents and passions, varna, that connect with what the world needs, siva, and that becomes your purpose. That's when you're living in your dharma. That's when you are your best self. And I will tell you, that is fulfillment. Like, you can tell when somebody is living in that. Can't you? Like, when somebody is just like, like, and, and I'll keep going through this, but like, when you see somebody join the team, okay? You see someone join it, you're like, they get it. They get it. Did we ever stop to think, it's not that they got it. It's that everybody gets it. This is a very simple business. It's that they're actually living in their purpose. This is why I was hollering, okay? If you haven't already, I was like, holy crap, right? Like that was a takeaway from like an hour ago, okay? Like they're just living in their purpose and it's, it's not a sales, okay? This is not a sales purpose. This is not a, this is not even like a, we'll get into it, right? We're gonna go, I'm gonna go through all this because I feel like I'm like busting at the seams to share this. It's so exciting for me. Because when you spend your time and your energy doing the things that are living in that Dharma space, right? Living in that calling space, and you're doing something that matters to the world and matters to you on a soul level, y'all feel me on that, right? Like, you're like, I have to do this. I've gotta be on these calls. No, oh my God, I have to sell these freaking ketones. Oh my God, I gotta, <laughs> why? I don't know, can't explain it. I think everyone on this call knows what I'm talking about. We're just like, I don't even like, why does it feel like this, right? It's that fulfillment. Like we went for weeks over, you know, getting rid of the influences from 
the outside world and the distractions in the outside world, etc. But now it's about where is your life and what are the guiding values? What are the guiding values and the deep intentions inside of each of you as individuals that will allow you to step into the life that you not only want, but deserve and quite frankly crave, like your soul craves. Like this is a deep conversation, but I think it's so cool, right? And then there's this little passage I just want to read. Two monks were washing their feet in a river when one of them realized that a scorpion was drowning in the water. He immediately picked it up and he set it upon the bank. Though he was quick, the scorpion stung his hand. He resumed washing his feet. The other monk said, hey, look, that foolish scorpion fell right back in. The first monk leaned over, saved the scorpion again, and was stung again. The other monk asked him, brother, why do you rescue the scorpion when you know it's in his nature to sting? Because, the monk said, to save it is my nature. (gasps) Shut up! Like, how many of you people are like, why do you do all those coaching calls? How many of you are people like, why do you continue to work your business? How many of you are people like, why do you care so much about sending out incentives? Why do you care so much about uh, going to events? Why do you care? It's just, it's just who I am. Why do you have to sell so much? Why do you got to be rank nine? Why do you got to be number one? Why do you need, it's just who, I don't know how to explain it to you. It's just who I am. Like how many of you have spent so much of your life trying to explain to people why you're doing things? You're like, I can't tell you. It's just a calling, man. I can't help it. It's just a calling. I don't know to tell you. I can't. I don't know what to tell you. It's Willow's calling, right? You have to fulfill that, right? So he walks through discovering Dharma. And this is his story. But And I'm not going to tell the whole story. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I want you to think about this because some of you still probably just don't know. And that's okay. That's part of why we get on these calls is to be a better version of ourselves, is to discover a deeper version of ourselves, is to become who we're supposed to be, right? And so basically he was asked to train in front of people and um, he was horrified to do public speaking. He goes through why in the book and... Um, a monk goes up to him and says, we want you to, you know, lead a class this week. Um, the topic of is, is the topic is from the, a verse of the Gita, which is whatever action is performed by a great man, common men follow in his footsteps and whatever standards he sets by exemplary acts, all the world pursues, which I don't know how fast you guys are at like taking apart scripture or whatever in your head, but basically he's saying like, y'all got to lead by example. So he was asked to train on why everybody should lead by example in everything, in the morals you have, in, you know, uh, like don't tell somebody to do something you're not willing to do, blah, 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 right? Um, And then he said, he, oh, okay, I know how I'm going to train on it. I'm going to use, you know, the quote that is often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. I love that, by the way. My nanny used to say that all the time, right? Preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Like, preaching the gospel is literally by living it, right? And then if you need to use words, then you can explain it, but you don't always have to, right? And so he goes through this, and um, he's getting frustrated because he doesn't like 
to talk in front of people. So he's getting really nervous. Haven't you ever been there with something? Maybe it's a live video. Maybe it's your first Zoom call with your team. Maybe it's your 50th Zoom call with your team, whatever. Um, and he goes into it. He says, um, you know, he's getting frustrated because the internet's really, really slow. And he thought to himself, you know what my fellow, some of my fellow monks are doing right now? Because they all got assignments, right? He's like, some of my fellow monks are patiently watching water boil. Like, that's one of their jobs, like, to wait for the water to heat up, right? And so he said, just as they're doing, I'll try to respect this process, okay? And so he starts getting into it, and he starts doing all this research, and he finds out that 55% of communication is body language, and 38% is tone of voice, and just 7% is the actual words you speak. And he starts to get really into this, right? Like, that's a rough estimate, of course. I'm sure there's, you know, different examples. But, like, he starts to, to really actually understand, because he has to be so patient with the super slow internet, right? What his life is about. And he starts to read about people like Jane Goodall. She didn't want to be a leader, right? She wanted to go save monkeys. You know, that was her thing. She wanted to go save monkeys. And then she realized her research ended up redefining conservation through all of her, you know, primate studies. Okay. And it, it attracted a lot of women and she ended up being, you know, a women's right activist. And so when you look at all that, he realized through all of that, uh, oh, Oh, this is, this is me. I'm realizing my dharma, he said, is studying, is experimenting with knowledge, and then speaking. But he would have never known that if he wasn't forced to take the patience to learn, right? He had to take the patience to learn, and then the patience to experiment with the knowledge and create his own little training, and then actually speak. And so he goes on to say, everyone has a psychophysical nature which determines where they flourish and they thrive. You're all good at different things, like the broom and the mop. Dharma is using this natural inclination, the things you're good at. Like, where do each of you thrive? Where are the things you are good at, right? And using those things you thrive at to then serve others, right? He says, you should feel passion when the process is pleasing and your execution is skillful. So I'm asking you to ask yourselves. Don't just listen to me right now. Like I want you to think. What are the things you're doing? And you, you can keep it in your own notes. What are the things that when you do them. The actual process itself. You get fulfillment out of. And then when you do them. You're like. Ugh, I love this. Like what gives you energy. And then he continues. And he says it can't just be those things. We'll go into it. But the response from others should be positive. So what is it you're doing that you enjoy the process, the execution is well done, and other people go, huh, yes, yes, more of that, right? Because that shows that your passion actually has purpose. That's the magic formula for Dharma. Passion plus expertise plus usefulness usefulness equals Dharma. Passion plus expertise plus usefulness equals dharma. So he goes on. If we're only excited when people say nice things about our work, it's a sign we're not passionate about the work itself. Now, where did my mind go with this? How many of you know people, or maybe it's you, I'm not calling anybody out, okay? How many of you, you know the people that if their videos aren't going viral, they're pissed off and they're complaining to you, they're complaining in the chats, they're complaining about whatever, 
How many of you know that people, when they're not hitting multiplier, are bitching all... Oh, sorry. I don't really cuss on these. <laughs> are complaining all over the chats, all over, you know, projecting all over you. Well, I don't want to hit multiplier anyway. <laughs> this is not important to me. <laughs> really? Because your body language, which is <clears throat> 55% of communication plus the 38% tone of voice, is telling me it's bothering you. Right? Like, it doesn't have to be multiplier. It can be anything, right? But what are these things where, where they're only excited when it's them winning? Wow, Brie, what is that face? <laughs> That's like Brittany Anderson eyes. Now she's drinking too. For God's sakes, you guys. I'm not talking about any one person, okay? I'm, I'm thinking of a whole bunch of people in my head right now. Like, I'm thinking of my front line. My brain is all over my front line right now, right? Like, who are the people that when their business is not thriving... All they want to do is complain. Who are the people that when somebody else is winning and it's not them, there's all these issues. My life is falling apart. Huh. It's a sign that we're not passionate about the work itself. And if we indulge our interests and skills, but nobody responds to them, then our passion is without purpose. If either piece is missing, we're not living our dharma. Huh. Interesting. Right? So, think about people, like I think about growing up in a small country town where everybody wanted to be like a doctor right? Like you're supposed to be a doctor. You're supposed to be a lawyer. You're supposed to be a politician. You're supposed to be all of these things. Okay. Like, what was it for your town? I don't know. You guys can put it in the chat. Like I had all these little things that I, we were supposed to be, we were supposed to go to school, school, and then a pharmacist, um, a tour guide, um, an engineer, a vet. Okay. Right. Like our towns, our, our towns around the world all have these different things. Right. And so he goes on to say people fantasize about what they want to do and who they want to be, but they don't often investigate fully enough if it actually suits who they are, right? Like people think they want to be in finance because they know it's lucrative, right? Why do people actually say they want to be lawyers growing up? That never actually looked fun. That looked horrible. To, I mean, in my opinion, I remember them being like, you're going to go to 13 years of school. I said, I'm going to do what? I'm going to take how many tests? No, no, ma'am. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm going to be a politician. A seven-piece suit? No, not going to be able to do it. Okay? Or like, why did we want to be doctors? Right? Because it's respected. Because it's honorable. Right? But do those professions actually suit you? Huh. Do you actually like that process, that environment, the energy of the work, whatever? Like... Not, I don't. I feel like I've said this a couple times, a couple weeks, but it's just on my mind, and you're in the center of my screen. But like, when I probably first or second or third time, maybe I met David, and like he was clearly so done with flying. All he wanted to do was sell ketones. He was so excited about, and it's not just the selling of the ketones. We'll get into that in a minute. But like, he was so excited about helping people and so excited to serve, and he wasn't getting fulfilled in that with the flying of the airplanes. Like, it was, like, written all over his face, right? And it makes you wonder, he just happened to be in the center of my screen, like, who, who are we pleasing to do 
like with all of these these things that we think we're doing right so I don't know if you guys have the book but if you do it's page 98 it's this little um some of you probably don't have it so like I'll hold it up here you can take a photo is that in the center of the screen yeah huh up there you go okay all right so that's like where it all intersects so passion compassion usefulness skills they all intersect and then you're serving it's your occupation it's your talent and you're able to give (laughs) that's the center that's the dharma okay and so i love this there are two lies some of us hear when we're growing up the first is you'll never amount to anything And the second is you can be anything you want to be. He says, the truth is you can't be anything you want to be, but you can be everything you are. Now, I love that. It actually made me think of Gary Vaynerchuk, who always talks about, he's like, I can't be a famous basketball player. I'm short. I'm scrawny. I'm not athletic. Right. And he like, you know, he does his like screaming Gary Vaynerchuk thing. Right. But like, and he calls it like my DNA, my DNA. Cool. Okay. But is he stepping into his best purpose as the person he's supposed to be? I would argue, yeah. He's clearly acting from a place of fulfillment. It's, it's written all over, right? So he can be everything he is and the best at everything he is. Just like you can be the best at everything that you are. I love that. And it takes patience. Some of you I know are on here like, I'm going to figure out my dharma today. He goes through this whole like several page long thing about like, how a lot of the times these really young people being mega successful, like um, Snapchat co-founder became a billionaire at 24 years old. Like He's like, some people do find it really young. Like some people are really young and they find their purpose. They find their power. They find everything that they're meant to be. They're serving at a high level. At, like all of the things are in there. He's like, but then like that, that just because you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and you haven't figured it out yet, it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. Just because you haven't conquered the world yet and you're 50 doesn't mean you're not there yet. You know, just because you're 35 and you haven't figured out everything yet. Maybe it's because nobody's ever trained on this before. Maybe you didn't even understand this existed before. Maybe because you're going through your entire life trying to people please everybody and not working towards your passions or not working through your usefulness or not working on your, your innate skill sets or what makes you feel, you know, what makes you feel. And so you can't live somebody else's life. We talk about that a lot. Like, we've talked about that for years. You can't, I can't be you. You can't be me, but you shouldn't want to be. Mops, brooms, vacuums, Roombas, whatever, right? Like, you shouldn't want to be. You need to be your best self. Steve Jobs says, your time, said, your time is limited. So don't waste it living somebody else's life. Oh, sheesh. Your time is limited. So don't waste it living somebody else's life. I don't know if you know this, but Andre Agassi, who is one of the best tennis players of all time, when he retired, do, do any of you know what happened when he retired? Like what he said? I remember watching this interview and being like, what the hell? He hates playing tennis. He always hated tennis. Didn't like it. Hated it. His dad made him. His father pushed him into playing tennis. And he was incredible. Didn't dislike. He hated. I hate tennis. I know I made tons of money. I know I'm tremendously successful. It's not my dharma. Right? 
So the cool thing, though, is some of you have not been following your calling in whatever that is. And you can build it around this business, by the way. This is not me saying, like, go, like, you know, that's not not what this call's about. Okay, what can be misunderstood will be misunderstood. But he was tremendously successful, made tons of money, and then turned it into his true passion after he was done playing the game. So his true passion was actually serving. His true passion is is he created the Andre Agassi Foundation and he started a prep school for at-risk youth. His true calling was that level of serving and contribution. So I love what Brooke just said. Oh my God, that's exactly how I was with nursing. I thought I, it, I thought it was how I was serving and how I was helping people, but it wasn't working. Right, but I'll go into why that worked in a minute. Because there's a lot of you. There's a lot of you that do that. And it's totally normal because you, we've never had this conversation. Don't feel bad that you haven't quit being a nurse or a pilot or a doctor or a whatever. Like, that's not the point, you know? It's about saying, oh, my God. If I would step into where my actual purpose, how will I actually fly in this business, right? So our society is so set up around strengthening weaknesses instead of strengths. And I know you've been on calls of mine a million times before, right? I tell you all the time. I'm like, stop it. We're not trying to be like, you know, the Michael Jordan thing example where everyone's like, well, Michael Jordan wasn't good at defending. And so we got world best in the world at defending, you know, like those examples. And I'm like, I think that really wears people down because they spend all their time trying to get good at stuff that they are just absolutely atrocious at. Right. And I know because I know a lot of you very, very, very well. I've seen it over years now where it's like, I know I'm really bad at that, but let me like maybe if I just really waste a ton of time on it then one day I'm gonna really love keto well how's that working out for some of you you know like you know for years I'm just like an example right so I love this it says well here's a great example in school if you get three A's and a D all the adults around you are focused on that D anybody can anybody relate to that that would be Jesse Lee in math okay I was like the worst ever and everyone's like, just practice math forever. And all of a sudden, those numbers are going to look like letters. Or letters are going to look like they're going to convert to numbers. Uh, that, what? <laughs> okay. Our grades in school, scores on standardized tests, performance reviews, even our self-improvement efforts all highlight our insufficiencies and urge us to improve them. But what happens if we think of those weaknesses not as our failures, but as someone else's dharma i mean it just got deep i mean i know it just got deep right like can you trust in the gifts of other people on this team can you trust in the gifts of okay i'm really atrocious at the comp plan you know who's not (laughs) quite a few of you know it way better than me all right you just phone a friend right some of you are really bad at or like Whatever. No point in like saying what people are bad at. You get the point. Right? We're there's all things that we're not good at yet, but there's somebody who is. And I this is what made me holler. We come to realize that we don't have to do everything. That we can't do everything. That what I can't do is someone else's gift. My limitations make space for the gifts of other people oh my god I hope you wrote that down like why do you think we're like hey who's gonna host the call hey 
who's gonna do blah 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 hey who's gonna <laughs> it's not because i'm too lazy to run a call good lord almighty i think we know that it's because you have different strengths than me you all have different strengths your limitations are making space for someone else if you try to be the be-all, end-all for your team, everything's got to be about you. Everything's got to be about how good you are. I make everybody done. Like, oh my God. No. You don't have to do everything. What you can't do is someone else's gift. What you can't do is someone else's gift. That's why the lone wolves, you've noticed, it's been three years for some of us, the lone wolves keep failing. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's because they weren't working with us. They weren't working with you. You get the point? That's why we have this team where I'm like, please cross line. I got on the uh, Europe call last week or Monday. It's all blur. And I'm like, why are y'all not talking to Sasha and Anna? Every single one of you should have Andreas's phone number in your phone. Why are y'all not talking to Sebastian? Why do you guys not know Tommy? I started listing off all the champs' names in Europe. I'm like, the problem, the reason you don't grow is because you don't use each other. But that goes for all of you. Some of you are so stuck when Megan's got different dharma than you. Amber's got different dharma than you. Annalise's got different dharma than you. Angela's got different dharma than you. Adele's got different dharma than you. Alicia's, uh, Roberto, Courtney, Kayla, Sydney, Jamie Lynn. That's my front screen. Mark, Stephanie, Chris, Mel, Brooke. Nicole, you have different dharma. You're different people, Katie. But that's the whole point. Who are the people on your team that need to know about macros? And you're sitting there like, well, we don't know about macros on this team. Great. You stay in your little pile over there and stop and stunt all your growth for everybody on your whole. What's Marco? <laughs> Who's Marco? <laughs> What's a Marco? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's further proven when stuff like the great snowstorm of Texas happens. When I'm like, hey, I got 30 minutes. David and Roberto, I need you. Can you please go do this Mexico, this uh, Europe call? And these Europeans are like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like losing their freaking minds. I'm like, they've literally been there in Mexico uh, for years. They've been willing to help <clears throat> for years. And uh, you knew you loved them because you watched Empire. You and you <clears throat> wouldn't shut up about them. They were on your team to begin with. And as soon as you start seeing it like that, like those are the strengths. We all have the different strengths. And the more you plug in and say, oh, you know who's really good at that? Mel's really good at that. You know who's really good at that? Annette's really good at that. You know who's really good at that? Melissa's really good at that. Yeah, Roberto's always tan, okay? He's just perfect. Okay, I'm going to move him from my screen. Let me drag and drop him off of my screen. I'm kidding. Right? Like, Whitney's really good at this. Cheryl's really good at this. Amanda's really good at this. You start using each other's strengths instead of pointing out weaknesses that you have. That's where you fly. You know Bree's better than you at developing rank fours? I mean, quite frankly, uh, she kind of is. Okay, I would not be pissed off at Brie. I'd be like, all right, what the hell's happening over there in the Midwest? I need to know. What are you doing? Instead, we do this thing where we're like, 
I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to double down on belief trainings. If I double down on belief trainings, I'm going to get a whole bunch of rank fours. Will you? Or can Brie literally say, no, 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 this is all you got to do. You got to go this, 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 this. Tap root this. Send this certificate. Do this. Ba, 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 ba. Do this training. La, la, la. Boom, boom. Shaka, laka. Rank four, rank four, rank four. But guys, I see the reports. That's just an example. She's in the middle of my screen right now. I switched screens and she popped to the middle. Like... Oh, whoa, Courtney Chapman. She said, Courtney, do this. And then I did. Two rank fours in six months. Well, okay, moving right along. I guess I just proved my point. So my limitations make space for the gifts of other people. I just wanted to say it for like a 40th time. Okay. Um, all right. My notes over here. Okay. So I know sometimes we get frustrated then because not everybody shows up the way we want them to show up because it's human nature, right? That's just human nature. And he said that when he note, when he identified where his Dharma was, he just kept showing up and doing it anyway. So he would carry on and give his talks to empty rooms with full energy because listen to this, this is so like kind of woo woo. I don't know if Luna's on, I can't like scroll, but she probably, anyway, um, I guess I could, come on a second, I'll scroll. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, she's on. All right. So Luna will appreciate this, right? He was giving the topics the energy it deserved. Oh, I love that. So when you have passion around something and when you feel like I've got to, I got to preach on this, like I'm feeling this, this is, this is, this is hitting me on a soulful level. Give it all the energy. Don't, don't give it a, a toe. Don't dip a toe in the sand, right? Go all the way in. And he said, ever since then, he does the same thing in one medium or another when he's starting the conversation. He always shows up with the full energy towards it, right? We've all got this special genius inside of us, but it might not be on the path that's directly in front of us. Or sometimes there's really no path at all, right? When you look at when we started this team and it was kind of like throwing a bunch of stuff at the walls and seeing what was going to stick, you know, like that's kind of, it was kind of messy. There wasn't really a path to success, but we made the path. And he says, your Dharma won't hide, but we do need to work patiently to recognize that. I love this. Write this down. Play hardest in your areas of strengths and you'll achieve depth, meaning, and satisfaction in your life. He did use the example of Michael Jordan when he played baseball for like an hour. <laughs> you know, he played baseball for like a year or something like that. And he says uh, basketball was where he really thrived. And so he played hardest in his area of strength to achieve depth, meaning, and satisfaction in his life. So he goes on to talk about aligning with your passions. Okay, and he says, if you do want to unveil your dharma, you do have to identify your passions, the activities you both love and are naturally inclined to do well. Right. And so I'll hold this one up too. Can you tell me if it's, yeah, I think it's okay. The quadrants of potential. Cool. All right. So quadrant one is skill, but no passion. Quadrant two is skill and passion. Quadrant three is no skill, no passion. And quadrant four is no skill, but passion. Like, if you were to even just make one of those boxes and just kind of, like, write out things that you do on a daily basis and identify where, what quadrant each thing goes in, 
you'll probably start to identify if you're on the right path, right? You'll be like, oh crap, I spent a lot of time doing, that's page 103. I spent a lot of time doing a lot of stage, uh, probably more than anything. Um, you're probably doing a lot of stage one and four, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Right? So how can you move more of your time and energy towards that section two of doing what you're good at and what you love? Wow, David got a photo already off the internet. I love it. Perfect. Okay? Now, obviously, quadrant two is easier said than done. And I think that no matter how you look at it, there's going to be parts of your day and in your life where you're like, I don't even like to do that. Like, I don't like doing that, but I got to do it. I don't like to do that, but I got to do it. There's always going to be some things. Like, that's just life. You're not going to live 100% of the time in skill and passion. That's just not a thing, right? And so he uses the example, though, of Leonardo DiCaprio. And he is still an actor. And I don't know if you know this, but that's not, that's not his dharma. It's not. Did you guys see the movie? Um, I think it's called... It's, it's The Reverend, right? Isn't that what it's called? <laughs> right? That's where he finally won the, uh, the Academy Award. Right? Do you... I mean, okay, I don't find this to be a coincidence, by the way. Oh, The Revenant. Okay, The Revenant. Yeah, thank you. So, that movie... Has anyone seen it? Okay. So you don't really need to know anything about anything. Like, if you watch it, it's like the most cinematically beautiful movie ever. It's all of these crazy, gorgeous, untouched places of the earth where he's filming. I mean, it's just stunning. But his life purpose, his dharma is actually around saving the world. Like, he is a conservationist. That is what is motivating Leonardo DiCaprio. And so he hasn't given up acting or producing because he has a lot of skill in it, although it's not his passion, interestingly enough, right? But then he directs significant energy and money towards environmental advocacy because that is his dharma. That makes sense? So, like, this whole conversation, I don't want you to be like, my dharma is not selling ketones. My dharma is... Right, okay. So maybe... But how many times have you heard Brian or me say... This is not about the ketones. Have you ever heard him say that? Raise your hand. Anyone ever heard him say that? Yeah? Okay. So if it's not about the ketones, then don't make it about the ketones. Right? Make it about where you can serve on the level you're supposed to serve at. Right? So consider why you don't love your strengths, though. For those of you who are like, I have all these strengths in this and this and this and this and this. And this. I got all these skills in this and this and this and this and this. But I don't like doing this and this and this and this and this. Can you find a reason to love them? Right? Can you find a way for things to be meaningful? They used an example um, in the book of a woman who she didn't really like her job, but it was in a nursing home where she found like a lot of meaning, right, for people in their last few um, you know months and years of life. And so she would take her time to move around photos, like to stimulate the people whose families didn't really come to visit them, because serving again was part of her passion. Right? So you can link the feelings of passion to the experience of learning and of growth. Right? We all have time. So for those of you who are like, oh, I love doing these things, but I'm not good at it. How can you move things into that second quadrant? Could you just get better at them? 
You know, could you spend an extra 10 minutes learning how to develop more MVPs or learning how to sell more, have a conversation with some of these sales monsters on this call so you're not scraping by to try to hit MVP and trying to do it yourself and frustrating yourself and burning yourself out? Have a call, have a text thread, open up a conversation with people who they like blink and hit MVP multiplier. Have you, have you thought about that? Or are you making things really difficult on yourselves? Yeah, we make things really hard on ourselves, don't we? We do, okay? And so everyone has that time to learn. It's just sometimes we do things to make it a lot more complicated than it has to be. He says stay out of that quadrant three, that not good at it and don't love it, okay? He calls it the soul-sucking quadrant. He says do whatever you can to crawl out of the soul-sucking quadrant, okay? You're always going to have unpleasant chores, but they don't need to be the biggest part of your life. And so here's a little, um, here's a little activity we're going to do together. All right. So you might've been kind of doing this in your head a little bit around what we do, but I'm just, we're just going to ask the questions cause it's an actual exercise together and you don't need to write it in the chat. You can write it privately, obviously. Okay. Uh, so question one, do you like your job? Question two, do you love your job? Question three, are you good at it? Question four, do other people need and appreciate your work? Is your greatest skill or passion outside of your work? And if so, what is it? Do you dream of making that your work? Do you think this is an attainable dream? Do you think there might be ways you could bring your passion to your work? And then later, you don't have to do it right now, write down any ideas you have for bringing your passion to the universe. Now we want to live in that quadrant too, where we spend all of our time or most of our time doing things we love that come very easily to us, right? And if we aren't there, instead of looking for specific skills, look beyond them is what he says to do. He says there are four types of Varnas. Remember we talked about that earlier. And knowing your Varna tells you your nature and your competence. Okay, we're going to go through this really quickly. So he says Varnas are not, um, not determined by birth. Okay, not determined by birth. They're meant to help us understand our true nature and our inclinations towards what we do. So as an example, all he's trying to say is like, you know, when people go, oh yeah, of course she's creative. Her mom's creative. Don't you hate that? Of course you're of course you're good at da da da. Your your brother is just a. You're just like you just want to throw punch him, right? Okay. So, um, so anyway, uh, we're gonna go. Th- so all right, there are four varnas: the guide, the leader, the creator, and the maker. And they're not tied directly to specific jobs or activities. Okay, um, and so. We're going to go through this. So 
One sec. Um, we'll just go straight to the quiz. Hold on. Okay, ready? Answer these questions as who you believe you are at the core. Again, you can keep it private. Beyond what friends, family, and society have made you choose. Okay? So which of the following sounds most like what you're about? A, values and wisdom. B, integrity and perfection. C, work hard, play hard. D, stability and balance. So values and wisdom, integrity and perfection, work hard, play hard, stability and balance. Two, what role do you play in your friend's circle and your family? A, I am comfortable dealing with conflict and helping people find middle ground. My role is the mediator. B, I make sure everything and everyone is taken care of. My role is the protector. C, I help my family understand work ethic, hustle, and the value of having resources. My role is material support. D, I focus on nurturing and wanting a healthy and content family. My role is emotional support. Um, and you can just write down A, B, C, and D for them because it'll tell you what you are at the end, okay? Three, what is most important to you in a partner? A, honest and smart. B, strong presence and power. C, fun and dynamic. D, reliable and respectful. Four, what do you watch most often on TV? A, documentaries, biographies, human observations. B, entertainment, politics, current affairs. C, comedy, sport, drama, motivational stories. D, soap operas, reality TV, family, gossip, and daytime shows. Five, which best describes how you behave when under stress? Calm, composed, balanced. B, irritated, frustrated, angry. C, moody, loud, restless. D, lazy, depressed, worried. Six, what causes you the most pain? A, feeling like I don't live up to my own expectations. B, the sense of the world, the state of the world. C, a sense of rejection. Or D, feeling disconnected from family and friends. Seven, what is your favorite way of working? A, alone, but with mentors and guides. B, in a team as a leader. C, independently, but with a strong network. D, in a team as a member. Eight, how would your ideal self spend spare time a reading in deep discussion and reflecting b learning about issues and or attending political events c there's no such thing as spare time networking connecting working d enjoying time with family and friends nine how would you describe yourself in three words a 
idealistic, introverted, insightful. B, driven, dedicated, determined. C, passionate, motivated, friendly. D, caring, loving, loyal. Almost done. Just kidding, halfway done. 10, in what type of environment do you work best? A, remote, silent, and still. B, a meeting room or gathering space. C, anywhere or everywhere. D, a space specific to my type of work, home, office, laboratory. 11, what's your work style? Slow and reflective. B, focused and organized. C, fast and rushed. D, specific and deliberate. 12, how would you like to make a difference in the world? A, through spreading knowledge. B, through politics and activism. C, through business and or leadership. D, through local community. 13, how do you prepare for a vacation? A, by picking my reading material. B, by having a focused plan of key sites to visit. C, with a list of the best bars, clubs, and restaurants. D, with an easy ongoing attitude. 14, how do you deal with tough conversations? A, look for a compromise. B, fight for the most objective truth. C, fight to prove you're right. D, avoid confrontation at all costs. (laughs) I added the at all costs part if you're reading along. (laughs) 15, if someone in your life is having a bad week, what do you do? A, give them advice and guidance. B, become protective and encourage them to improve. C, urge them to have a drink or take a walk. D, go to them and keep them company. 16, how do you see rejection? A, it's part of life. B, it's a challenge you can rise to meet. C, it's frustrating, but you'll move on. D, it's a real setback. 17, at an event slash party, how do you spend your time? A, I have a meaningful discussion with one or two people. B, I usually talk with a group of people. C, I end up somehow the center of attention. D, I can help, I help with whatever needs to be done. 18, how do you feel if you make a mistake? A, guilty and ashamed. B, I have to tell everyone. C, I want to hide it. D, I reach out to someone supportive. 19, what do you do when you have to make a big decision? A, I reflect privately. B, I ask mentors and guides. C, I weigh the pros and cons. D, I talk to family and friends. And last question, what best describes your daily routine? A, it changes moment to moment. B, focused and organized. C, I follow the best opportunity that comes up. D, it's simple and scheduled. Now, tally your answers based off of the, um, like the letters, like count how many you have of each. You guys have that? Okay. So A, 
your 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 varna is guide g u i d e b's leader c creator d maker and i will um i'll take photos of all of these okay um of like the the different kinds I will tell you, it's not about one being better than the other. Remember, we've got mops and we've got brooms, okay? But the really cool thing is once you know what this is, um, like once you know what yours is, there's different, there's different varnas that work best with others. Does that make sense? So, I mean, we'll go through this obviously further next week. Um, but as an example, it talks about how makers and connectors so the d's and the c's complement each other makers make creators focus on detail quality gratitude contentment and the creators help the makers think bigger become more goal-oriented right like um it talks about how guides and leaders then complement each other so if you're a guide or a leader boom guides and leaders complement each other guides give wisdom to leaders leaders give structure to guides Right. So the point of these is not to say somebody's better than somebody else. It's to say you need to understand yourself so you can focus on your strongest skills. I think we spend so much time trying to become other people and we completely lose who we are and why we're doing what we're doing. Like we all have different ways of contribution. We all have different things. We all work well because we are a diverse mix of people. And so if you start to pay attention to the moments in which you are at your best self, you can look for patterns and common themes inside of that. And then you can turn those best skills into action with other people. So we'll go through this further next week for sure. Cause it's like a whole thing, but does that make some of you feel like, Oh, okay. This is making a lot more sense. Maybe I'm just not living in like my actual purpose. And maybe that's why I'm stuck at six or I'm going backwards or I'm stuck at seven or I'm stuck at eight or I'm stuck wherever you're stuck. Right. Because I do believe that sometimes we can totally bully ourselves to certain levels and then we're like dying to get to the next level. But it's because, again, on that, uh, just on that soul level, it's, you're not connecting with your purpose.